Good morning, everybody. Thanks very much for joining this uh, next episode of uh, Empowered Teams podcast. Um, as you can see, the, the main title today is about epic fail, stories of bad performance and leadership, which I'm sure doesn't relate to you guys at all. All right. But it sets the context of a conversation that we were having uh, about a week ago uh, that talked about the aspiration of in the gaming world called get good. Right? How do you get good? How do you get better at what you're doing? And how how do you focus on uh, daily and weekly activities as against having long-term personal development plans, as against having a yearly review? Something that makes a difference in the now uh, uh, to, to the way that you engage peer-to-peer -peer coaching and uh, coaching that comes from um, working with seniors who may have different ideas, may have different ways, but that the, you're touching uh, human performance and, and looking how to make a difference as and when it happens. And putting that in relationship of the fear of failure, of the fear of, of getting it wrong. Um, I'd like to welcome uh, Eden Smith team to this podcast, and I'd like them to introduce themselves just very quickly. Uh, my name is Toby. I'm the captain of the Sunk team. And without further ado, I don't know which way you're pointing, but uh, <laughs> last time I went first, so you, I, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, so Nicholas Deveni, I lead our consultative uh, part of the business, helping businesses in their transformations to be more data and sustainability driven. Uh, I'll pass over to Krista. Hi, I'm Krista Swain, and I lead marketing. Thanks, Krista. I'm Jez, one of the co-founders and CEO of Eden Smith. Right. Thanks very much. I mean, I think I think the key thing in 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 kicking kicking this off, guys, right, is is to have a have a have a view on what you guys mean by leadership performance, right, and failing. You know, what? How 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 do you how do you balance that? You know, because generally failing is not a good thing, is it? I mean, failing is like a career ending move. Yeah. It's how you look at it, right? So I think failing is learning. Um, I, I, I've actually spoken, there's, there's a business that I know um, quite close to, to me, uh, not our own one, obviously, but they 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 have a they have a monthly cock up championships um <laughs> presentation where they take all of the biggest mess ups throughout the month and celebrate celebrate that and then give an award for the biggest um screw up that happened that month in the company and uh everybody hears about what actually happened um and shares it and i think it gives us a safe place to talk about failure and it also celebrates failure and the fact that you learn from failure and also shares um, and gives a bit of direction to other people in the business about, you know, what maybe not to do. And this was the impact and therefore might change behavior. Um, so I, 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 I don't see failure as being a bad thing, I think, and we do it all the time. Um, but that's a relatively new new appreciation in business, right? It, it, we, we go back what eight ten years and that wasn't the view right and i think there's still a few businesses that are struggling to to make that change and to give the psychological safety to be 
to say you made a mistake, to say you failed, or to say, you know, actually this month my performance isn't as great as it could be. Sorry, it's also about giving that permission for people to fail and to take risks and to innovate and be creative without that fear of falling down and someone going, you did it wrong. Mm, absolutely. But and also what we're talking about right now in failure, if you compare what you're looking at when you speak of failure, a lot of it is around uh, an action, something that happened, a task that was supposed to be performed where it went wrong or something like that. But then look at how businesses, business performance is measured. And that's typically around KPIs and output. I see well, where I see there being um, a gap in where leadership team should focus on on the company or the people is that middle bit it's the middle ground so it's not just about did you meet your targets was it a failure to miss your targets well not necessarily because you don't really understand the reasons why but often the reason that that's happened is because of behavior of the business or how the what the what approach was taken mm -hmm. or whether feedback was shared or whether the right questions were asked and what we're trying to do is get those two things working in comparison. And unless you have conversations or you share what went wrong, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to fix that the next time round. So you get repeat failure and, you know, you get into onto that hamster wheel of the same thing happening again, which can be an issue, in my yeah. opinion. In the day world, we talk about this as, as measuring the wrong metrics, right? And, and, and metrics drive behaviour. So, yeah. and I think, you know, if we, uh, well, and, and just talk about this, the stories of, um, you know, stories of bad performance and stuff like we've come from uh, some, some uh, an industry in the, in the recruitment world where there is a lot of different views of what performance looks like and what high performing teams looks like, right? And I think, you know, we've, we've known stories of, you know, people who would, you would set a, a KPI in that sense, you know, like you've got to get three hours, five hours on the phone before you're allowed to go home, you know, or we're taking your chairs away, you know, that, that kind of, um, those kind of behaviours. And what you end up doing is you end up people calling and sitting on hold for hours on end just to, just to hit their, uh, just to hit their KPIs. But that doesn't necessarily lead to good performance, right? Does right. It, 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 it's the, so I don't think it's, if I think back at all the stories, it's not bad performance, it actually comes down to bad leadership, right? We can skip them two words in the middle of the title. Um, yeah. And it's, story, it's the bad leadership that leads to bad performance. It's measuring people's performance using the wrong metrics. That's, that's the issue with it, right? So people celebrate success even when there's been quite a lot of failure throughout the same process. And that's what Nick's talking about. There are, in the world of staffing, where so many employees are measured based on very stringent KPI output, it actually means that sometimes if there are, for example, and Nick talks about this a lot, if there are, if there's a consultant working 10 requirements and they fill three of them, they get celebrated in the sales meeting for doing an amazing job, but actually across the 10 requirements, seven customers were left unhappy. So if you look at the whole project, it was a massive failure, but the way that they're measured um, and, the, and, and what is perceived to be good performance 
isn't actually correct in my view. And this is where you get into a value conversation of what the staffing industry does outside think, of anything else. I think that's an important thing, the norms and values. Right? Yeah. Because that, that indicates the culture. Yeah. It's the norms and values. Norms is, you know, what's right and wrong. Wrong values is, you know, is what's good and bad. And sometimes yeah. within this, you come with an implicit template of rules that are not discussed. And what you end up having there, what is technically called skilled incompetence, that is you're measuring the, you think that by measuring these things, we're going to improve performance, but don't, you actually disengage the whole of the workforce. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's and you're dealing with people, right? <laughs> that's, the, that's the point. We got. I think it's hard because I think sometimes we bring, you know, we all come into the workplace at various different ages through after various different educational you know pathways and or, or non-educational pathways and I, I think we forget sometimes or we we treat sometimes sometimes like as if like oh they're new to the workplace we need to teach them the the norms the values the ways the ways to do stuff but actually what we're teaching them is is technically skills that have been working for the last five to ten years and and, and they're a new generation coming over through with new values with new skills with new ideas you know, um, I, I I know of a, a, a business uh, who um, they were on a they were very, you know, a, a good team and, and they, they get their jobs done very well. And they're under quite a stressful scenario, but they kind of got a telling off from their manager. And the manager came on the, the Zoom call, the, the video call and and literally said to them, right, I want everyone to put their hands on their head. So I know you're not talking behind like while, while we're having this meeting because it's serious. And like treat them like they're back in school, you know, like everyone sit down, fingers to their lips, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it's, it's when you look at stories like that that you think, my God, that actually happens in business. That actually happens in, in the, the, the even worse have... than that. <laughs> in American companies and some companies now, they have uh, AI systems that measure your fingers on a keyboard. All right. That measure your eyes in contact with this, that measure everything. And for me, as a as a kind of you know coach, when looking at teams, to me that's a failure of leadership. This is where trust comes in, isn't it? It's you can't measure those metrics and be like you weren't doing this at this particular time. You can't speak down to people and say I'm being here doing this for longer than you. I'm superior to you. I know everything. As Nick said, it's a changing, evolving landscape and we need that collaboration. We need to be able to listen to new ideas. And that's true leadership is being able to scaffold someone and support them on their learning journey, but also make sure that you are learning from them as well. It's not top down. No, absolutely but right. The permission begins top down. Mm. The permission... Isn't this... Doesn't this go back to that again, that providing providing a framework or the governance in which people have enough freedom to operate yeah. and be creative and be able to do stuff without constantly having to go through an advisory board to have a decision made? Mm. Right? That's, that's, that's where all this stuff, I think, goes wrong. And I'm not saying that that's, it, it works up to a certain size. But then you start having to maybe look at the processes a bit more and things like that. I think it can work beyond that size, right? Beyond a certain size. But I, I think where I disagree, and maybe this is coming from the technology world and you know and and transformation programs, 
I do believe there has to be some level of um, governance and testing and, and, and feedback loop to to make progress. So, you know, I, I think there has to be foul safes in place. There has to be gates that, that you need to pass before you can get to the next level. That doesn't mean that 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 gate is opened by the top person in the organisation or by a senior leadership. I believe those gates could be you know, delegated to other le levels, Absolutely. but those governance controls have to be in place regardless. You can have all the trust in the world with someone. No, but, but if, you do, if you take it around the other way and you make the team re responsible for the, for the creations of the governance roles, that, that hmm. means then instead of top down, you actually get this ownership because really, you know, Gallup tells us that across the world, the employees are not engaged. Yeah. And the biggest obstacle in being engaged is their bosses. Mm. In the level of hate that they have for their bosses is visceral and it's measured, right? I, I think totally we've got the thing that the thing that's that's missing is exactly what you just described, which is engaging them as human beings, mm. right? With honesty and transparency. And I think it comes back to the root cause, I think, of um, of failure is fear. It's fear being senior management about not achieving your targets. So you revert back to caveman style of management yeah. <laughs> or slave gallery uh, approach to, you know, you guys will do this, you know, because I need my bonus next month. Or you you have fear of that the employees will not do something that moves the business forward that may be new because fear of getting it wrong, the punishment is so bad or the, the consequences are so bad that they wait to be told. Now, just one example of that is in the video game simulations that we deploy, that we work, work together on, one of the consistent features that we find uh, between teams is the person that's sitting in the video game at the bottom of the stairs waiting. And you ask them, well, what are you waiting for? Well, I'm waiting to be told what to do. Shocking. They're part of a team and they're waiting. And so there's that sense of what you just described of the person grows uh, in an area where there's safety, but there's pressure because you, you can't have no pressure. And then they can start to do something and listening to you guys talk, then you help them make that jump across the fear barrier. Right. But I think coming back to your point before, Nick, uh, that's quite new. There are yeah, many the... organizations that. Uh... Sorry, go on. As I said, I, I, I hope that uh, maybe I'll get into that H&M one a little bit more longer toothed, but um, I, I don't feel that, that my journey has been that long ago. And, you know, I there was there was this stories of, of where I was told that was the way to manage. Right. That uh, and, and don't wrong the, you know, the other businesses I've been in went through loads of leadership training. We, we took a slightly different approach. But there were times where, you know, you started work at this time. And if you weren't ready to start work at that time, I'm going to make you start work at that time. You know, or it's, the, I, I, I actually haven't apologised to the guy, and maybe I should reach out to him in, in, in like an AA style meeting. I don't know, but um, you know, there's one guy, and he's only young, and I just he's still eating his breakfast at eight thirty one. I just picked up the whole thing and put the whole bowl in the, in the bin, milk, cereal in a black bag in the bin, right? And it was just like I've told you many times before. We've had this discussion. 
this is the time you start work. You don't have your breakfast at that time. You start work at that time. But now looking back, I think, oh my god, what a what a stupid like what a stupid you thing to do. What a monster, Nick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm no, actually, it now. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually interested in Krista's point of view because I think in Krista's role, uh, it comes with a, a lot of, it comes with a requirement of a different viewpoint and focus. Um, and you're very outbound, right? Yeah. We think in Krista's role as marketing director, what you're doing is you're representing the business from an external perspective or pushing out external messages all the time. How do you, what would you define as failure? And how do you, like, when you see something going wrong, because the impact actually is from a, what I would call a global position. If you send out the wrong message, the positioning of the whole business could be wrong, right? So how do you... No, I know. I know it's a hard question, but how do you deal with that? Because, I mean, for us, it's like internal task, you know, project, blah, 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 KPI recruitment, la, la, la. But you're you're holistic. Yeah, well, it, I guess it's from a very gut instinct, which sounds like the worst answer. It doesn't stick within sort of like frameworks that you can then roll out and pass on because, um, but I know that Jez, we've had that conversation about gut mind and, and what that means. And it's using that very much in the same way that you would use data to inform um, what you're doing you have to have that personal touch on it and step back and go well was this what were the reasons what you can do one thing one day and it lands perfectly and you can think you're doing a replication of that and it doesn't um so looking for the reasons for that can sometimes be going down a black hole that you don't need to investigate because it can take you nowhere and you can spend an awful lot of try- time trying to get to that point. Um, but I think it really is in terms of the the leadership side within that. It's about looking at that data, using your gut and just knowing that you've got a team around you who can give you that honest feedback about where you've gone wrong. And if you open yourself up to failure and you ask people to give you feedback then you get a greater understanding because there's nothing worse than asking people for feedback and having that fear factor that people don't want to insult you because how do you then progress mm-hmm. we um uh, we've had it in in the scenario of the the business game simulation and, and toby you'll probably have to speak more around this as it were uh, a team who you know literally spent the whole time arguing in the planning phase and the ceo just left left the the constraints uh, the constraints of the first part of the stage of the game and went off and done done their own thing um and, and you know is that feedback well well why did you do that well well because they were all arguing i had enough of it and i i, I didn't want any parts so i was just gonna go, and, go and sort it out. yeah he got bored that's it but it's like there's there's a part that says you're the ceo like this is your business this is the people that you work with like how how do you how are you going to react if that happens in real life right is that a sign of your leadership if we um, take the golden thread from what you're just saying one of the things that we see when we do the simulation versus doing a role play in a uh, um, training room or something like that yeah. is is fear of failure 
it is this it is in from senior directors, senior management teams to junior management teams, the thing that comes in there is failure. Right? And we see this. And we spend a lot of our time helping people to make small mistakes. That it's okay to experiment. That it's okay to explore. It's okay to say stupid things. But we encourage them to say, the stupider the idea, the better the idea. They're like, what? Yeah. There is no right answer. What there is, is exploration. So particularly yeah. in the simulation that, we're, that we've got, so coming back to what gut instinct is, one of the biggest obstacles, for example, to innovation is the way that you think and your behavior, right? In the framework around that. And typically, if it's something that constrains you and that you've got a framework that locks you in, it doesn't look out, you still need a framework. The question is whether the framework is open to ideas or it's this is the only way of doing it. You know, there's an open culture or a closed culture. You what, see this in small teams. Would, you know? it, would it be fair to say then that in that scenario that Nick was just talking about, the only reason that the team were arguing was because they had the fear factor that no one wanted to get it wrong. And yeah. so the leadership are looking at it going, well, that's no good. So I'm just going to go and get something kicked off and start it. I mean, I would like to think that in the same scenario, my my team would actually have a conversation and then they'd go off exploring. That's what I'd like to think would happen. I mean, I don't, you know, we have played the simulation a number of times and actually I, I think I failed it straight away because I just went and got caught. I, I, it's but not that I went out that, without planning. That, see, I wanted everyone to get out of the van. Yeah, but, well, yeah. So then, right, coming back to what you're saying, particularly your leadership style and that, you encourage forward failure. Absolutely, yeah. Right. As a gamer, right, you can only learn through forward failure. Oh, we got that wrong. Let's go the other way. <laughs> right. But you only knew that you got that wrong because you tried. Well, that's, right? that's, that's the whole point, right? And the beauty of the simulation is you can fail and fail and fail like 50 times within the space of an hour. But every time, <laughs> every time there is progress. You've got to throw in some success and celebrate some of it there, right? <laughs> but, but I think, uh, Jess, I think you're right, though. There's nothing wrong with that CEO getting out of the van and going exploring and seeing what's the lay of the land, what's the landscape, market research, right? Nothing wrong with that. What What was wrong is that the team left behind didn't have that trust or that the, the right skills and the right mentality to to work without the ceo giving them direction of oh what should we do but that well that's the point but more importantly did then the ceo go i wonder why my team did that because no, that's the leadership no, that, that, that's, no, for me that's going back and going guys why are you sat in the van like what what you really what you really bothered about so why are you having thing, yeah exactly so what comes up right is it nobody talks about i mean uh, I, I'm I'm not a, a, a total fan of um, uh, doing assessments for leadership or emotional intelligence, and uh, I, I I I think they're useful. But actually, the simulation is much more of a mirror straight away into your own behaviour and the behaviour that other people uh, can see. What it lifts up immediately is the norms and values, right? How, what is the implicit template you have of what leadership is? Is it command and control? All right. And that you're sitting waiting and you will not, even though you'll have a discussion because you've learned to have discussions, 
but you will not move unless the person says so you will wait right so people bring to the table already a set of habits that are um uh, pre-established about what the right way to do something is what's good or bad so I what think you're that's... doing in the simulation is you're unraveling that and you're helping them get empowered to do something themselves that's what the leader does the leader helps the team move forward right so that decisions are made collectively but with guidance sorry i, I interrupted something yeah, no, I was just going to say it's about ref being reflective, isn't it? And what Jez said was he'd go, well, but why is that happened? And I think having that reflective process being built into your leadership style and understanding, having empathy, inquiring about why things are happening is so important. And I think that's why it's so nice within this simulation is because you have that opportunity where you're out of your immediacy, you're out, out of your familiar workplace, but you're being thrown into a workplace simulation. And you've got the coach there to kind of go, did you realise you did that? Why did that happen? And I think that trains us to be much more reflective. I mean, I worked in education for about 16 years. Um, and the whole pedagogy of education is about being a reflective practitioner. And I think I've brought that into the commercial world as well. And I think that's such an important thing. And it almost carries on from the question Jez asked me yeah. about I, how do you improve? Absolutely. I think there's a thing in what you said, because you used the word empathy. Mm. Right. So immediately then into emotional intelligence. Well, one of the things that you see in leadership styles that makes people frightened is irritation and anger that comes from the from the mood that carry leaders carry into a room. Right? In that irritation and mood, uh, uh, um, implicitly, because it's not necessarily explicit, just somebody says, ooh, we need to get out of Dodge here. <laughs> you know, Seriously, oh, you know, they, where they just bring doom in and it's just like, oh, and everyone's on the tender right. hooks. And other people, you can just like not see it. But yeah, some people impregnate a room with their. Absolutely. So a soft skill is not just about, am I better at communication? A soft yeah. skill is about <clears throat> emotional self regulation, which means you have to have self awareness, which means you have to be able to reflect. You see the the trace point comes there. Many times we've seen people make decisions in the simulation because somebody's really irritated because they they keep failing, so they stop pursuing. And that irritation, they it's like <clears throat> I don't know, daddy or mummy's irritated today, so we mustn't upset them. We mustn't confront them the fact that they're doing this. Well, actually, it's a great opportunity. Because we've seen people who are having difficulty with the door code and the simulation, for example, where they demand that the whole team and everybody's quiet while they do the door code. What? I mean, that's it. And this team of people are high top business consultants. I mean, Eric is sitting in the background doing the production of this, but he'll remember it very well when we sat there like jaws hitting the deck that this person's irritation can stop the whole function of the team. So you've got this other dimension to failure 
which it, is especially an when you bring that into so especially when you bring that into again we're, we're people right we, we have we have lives outside of business right we get irritated and frustrated by things that are not necessarily business context and uh, and we have our own emotions and you know bodies to, to handle so the, if, if you think in that business scenario something completely unrelated to the performance of the organization the performance of the business could actually stop the whole business working because that individual's was frustrated or you know irritated for that day fair to say fair to say though that the simulation which what i like about it is it pulls out your other profiles so mm. we all have a work style and a personal style there's no doubt about that right we all we, we definitely shift or we change elements of our profiles when we go into work mode so when you go into the simulation that's typically what is going on. The, the, the interesting part about it is it's actually probably mixing the two quite a lot because it's in a simulation and it's like a game. You're probably in your personal profile, but then you get challenged with certain tasks, which then get you here. And then, of course, you've got your team around you as well. So you're trying to apply the work profile, but you're playing a game and then people get irritated and your behavior and the way that you react. Because I can imagine that there would be people that would get very frustrated and in the scenario that Toby was talking about uh, a second ago, where someone's asking someone to be really quiet, it's kind of like it's kind of like being in a boardroom and everyone's talking. You're trying to get your point across, mm. and it's like, can everyone just be quiet? Like it happens a lot, you know, when when you've got these big meetings and stuff like that. And depending on how you deliver that message, whether you've got a smile on your face, the tone of your voice, the words that you use, will actually depict whether they're receptive or not to continue with the process in either a meeting or in the simulation. Yep. And you've got to be really, really careful of that because it's about energy and, and maintaining whether they're still happy to work in that environment of freedom to make decisions and go and explore, which is and really, it's not really, really what you want to do. Respond to that instruction if it's become a, a bit aggressive because they might do it out of fear out of right any other emotion but it's how re um, receptive they then are to the rest of that meeting or have you just right. put everyone in that room in yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean well, i remember well, being in a um it was in an educational environment and i really respected the leader and had some good conversations with him but he did have an element of distilling fear in people so he was just like so our values our ethos beginning of new year does everyone agree with it and everyone's like yes perfect yes we went around this table and there's about 30 of us and i was near the end and i went on paper it's amazing but do you think we've actually instilled it within our school and everyone just went Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> looked at me with horror and then the head kind of just smiled laughed and went you've absolutely nailed it and then they all looked at me in horror again because I'd challenged but also been given praise for challenge when they all knew that they were being unauthentic in their own response um it's a story, it's really interesting dynamic to see play Psychology. out yeah. yeah so guys we're coming to the end of the, po the podcast here I think it's um um, you've covered a, a wide range of uh, subjects. I think that we could um, uh, sort of reinterpret the epic as well. There's lots of 
epic examples out there. You know, Google is your friend if you really want to see some classic industry failures out here. But what we're actually focused on is the human being in the work environment. And, and that um, uh, capacity to improve in what who we are and to do that within within a social environment and with leaders that um, uh, help us get better that actually have an interest in us to get better and it's not just a, in, instrumental it's a do you want to add a few few sentences on that nick i think I'll, I'll, yeah i'll just end with you know I think from a, a young age, stories throughout life, throughout throughout the history of humanity have been used to teach, right? And I think unless we share those stories, unless we have sessions like this where you know, we can turn around and say, oh, you know, I know someone done this or I've done this or, oh, have you heard this story about, I know, this ant that walks through the jungle and this happens to them? Unless we can, uh, you know, share this information, we can't process it and learn from it. So yeah. I, I think, you know, failure is good. Sharing of failure, sharing of success and sharing of experiences is what leads to better performance and better leadership in, in my view. Providing a safe space for me is the most important thing. Give give people a safe space to speak. Yeah. And then whether you like it or you don't, you know, you can have that conversation afterwards. But ultimately if you try and silence people, I think that is the worst possible thing that you can do in any yeah. organization, especially if that communication comes from anybody in what you would perceive to be a, a higher hierarchical um, person in an organization that is set up like that, or even just someone who holds a title in a leadership role, mm. it can just literally be so damaging. So I think providing that safe space and sharing, like Nick said, is absolutely right. Share as much as you po possibly can. Share as many failures as you can. I actually think we should put this in our business straight away. Like, let's actually really see what things went wrong in the company and actually talk about them weekly. Like, uh, that was the other point at the beginning of this conversation yeah. was how often are people doing it? You know, looking at previous performance, what went wrong and, you know, having a rigid hand on that doesn't help anybody. Let's just keep talking about where there's been some screw ups yeah. um, and having a laugh about it and working out how we can make sure it doesn't happen again is a much better way to move forward. I've enjoyed the conversation, though. I always do. Thank you. Krista? I think truthfulness, having that transparency and that honesty to build trust. I think having that trust is kind of a central pin, central foundation that lots of these other buzzwords that we've been using hang off. I think that's, yeah. Well, listen. Um... Nick, Chris, and Jess, thank you very much for, for this episode of the Empowered Teams podcast. Uh, to everybody out there, if you uh, like it, then please press like and please subscribe. And uh, to everybody, we'll see you on the next one. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks everyone. Have a good week. Great. Cheers. Bye. Have a good week.